Train your mind to see good in everything. This is the Wisdom Worth Knowing podcast. I'm your host, Craig Chamberlain. If it's your first time joining me, welcome. Thanks for giving me a shot. You can subscribe to the podcast on all the major social networks, including Facebook, YouTube, and Rumble. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Wisdom Worth Knowing is brought to you by Audible, where listening is the new reading. For a limited time, my listeners can get unlimited access to thousands of audiobooks completely free for 30 days. Just sign up right now at audible.wisdomworthknowing.org. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E.wisdomworthknowing.org. Train your mind to see good in everything? Yeah, everything. disciplining our mind and our thoughts that's the subject of today's episode are you the kind of person who tends to default toward the negative toward anxious thinking worried thinking and man that word everything is really really devastating it's like everything really train your mind to see good in everything even all the bad things that are happening You know, I never really understood positive people until I got a little bit older and I started paying more attention to the state of the world and the condition of the people in it. And then I started to understand a little bit better, and I think I'm still understanding a little bit better, why people make a decision to be positive people. Because it's the default condition to be negative about things, right? You know, it's really easy to be cynical. It's easy to be pessimistic. It's easy to be a complainer. It's easy to be, I'm talking about myself here. I'm not talking about other people. (laughs) I mean, talk about the human condition in general. It's the default state, right? To be a negative person and to see the bad in everything. I do not know why it's the default state. If you are the kind of person who has a tendency to see the good in everything, then, then God bless you. It's a, I I think that's a gift. I think some people are much better at it than naturally much better at it than others. People like me, I do have a tendency to be more cynical. Uh, I tend to be a skeptic. I tend to be critical. Um, I tend to see things through a negative lens first before I see the positive in it. So this training your mind, the the one thing I do love about this quote in particular is the fact that it does have the word train in it. It doesn't say, just wake up this morning and be happy about everything that's happening to you. Because realistically, that's not how it works, right? But training, you think about training, you know, think about what a athlete goes through in order to train for a tournament. You know, think about what an academic student goes through to train for a test or what a professional goes through to train for a certification. Training can take years of regular daily practice. And so this idea that we can train our minds is very foreign to us as a culture, I think. It's not foreign to history. You know, there's plenty of teachers in the past who understood the value of the mind if we focus it and train it 
especially if we focus it and train it for a singular purpose. I mean, this is arguably why higher education was one of the reasons it was designed was so that we could focus our minds on a singular profession or a singular skill set or here. How about this? A singular knowledge set so that we could sharpen our minds for specific tasks. Another good example of this would be like a surgeon, right? A, a person who's a doctor who trains their entire lives for a specific type of surgery. You know, they become laser focused on a singular skill. And people do it on a, on a career path as well. We used to have um, apprenticeships and master, master and journeyman apprenticeships in which somebody who was a master at something, say carpentry or plumbing or, or whatever it might be, uh, and then they would take on an apprentice and they would pass on this mastered skill to an apprentice. But this idea of training is of immense value when you sit and actually think about what it would take to train ourselves to do something well. And then if we transpose that over to the idea that we can train our minds I mean, that's an incredibly power concept, powerful concept. You know, the fact that we could do that as individuals, that we could focus on something over a long period of time and cultivate our minds and strengthen our minds' ability to do something really well. Now, the see good in everything, there's a couple... There's a couple things I don't like about the see good and everything statement because it doesn't mean that everything is good. You know, if we train our minds to see the good in everything, what we're really doing is we're training our minds to step outside of a situation and evaluate it for what potential good might come of it. You know, I mean, if, if obviously not everything is good, right? <laughs> if everything was good, we wouldn't have to train our minds to see the good in everything. You know, it, it's kind of implicit in the statement is it doesn't say that everything is good. So train your mind just to accept everything as good because that's not true. What it does say is train your mind to see the good in everything. In other words, train your mind to step outside of what is happening. And try to see the good and evaluate it as a potential good try to evaluate it as the potential for the potential lessons and growth opportunities that may be in it sorry if i take pauses for a moment it's generally so i can make sure i'm using the right words because i want to make sure i try i always try to communicate as effectively as i can so this train your mind thing, you know, how do we do this? Um, I think journaling is one of the best things we can do. I talk about that pretty regularly in the show, but the reason I like journaling is because we as human beings have a very complex and dynamic range of emotions, and it's very difficult to communicate to others, no, to ourselves, let alone to others, what it is we're experiencing. And language is limited, you know, it can only really convey so much. And so if we don't 
stop to learn the words, to learn to speak the language that our minds and our hearts and our souls in a lot of ways are experiencing, a lot of the feelings that we have can feel can be trapped. And taking the time to write out what we are feeling and trying to discover the words that most appropriately express what we're trying to say or what we are feeling, it, it I think it's part of this training process. You know, it's part of this training our mind process. Because if we can, there is a, there is a satisfaction, and I don't know if it's just me, but there's a satisfaction in using the appropriate words to, de to describe what it is that I'm experiencing. And the more expansive our vocabularies become, the, the easier it becomes to express what we are going through. I think that's why communication is so essential too. You know, um, I'm a huge advocate for a, for an open prayer life, you know, where you, if you're not a religious person, that's totally fine. But having a, having a dialogue with God alone in your car or in a private place, the, the act of speaking or the act of writing down and articulating what you are experiencing out loud you know, I, I can't remember specifically which author mentioned this. It may have been Oswald Chambers, but it, I, the the act of prayer isn't just an act of asking for something. You know, I mean that's part of it, but prayer itself is a is a process of self expression, of expressing what it is we are experiencing on a on an emotional, a physical, and a spiritual level. Openly, you know, and, and one of the things that I learned pretty early on is the importance of honesty in prayer. And we're going to move into that here momentarily. But first, Wisdom Worth Knowing is brought to you by Amazon Audible. If you're like me and you love reading but don't have the time, then Audible audiobooks may be the perfect solution for you. With Audible, listening is the new reading. You can pop in your earbuds and discover that next exciting adventure or expand your knowledge from any PC, Mac, Android, Alexa, or Apple device. And check this out. Because you listen to this show, for a limited time, you can get instant access to thousands of audiobooks from Audible's Premium Plus catalog completely free. Just visit audible.wisdomworthknowing.org right now and take advantage of a free 30-day trial for my listeners. That's right, for 30 days, you'll get full access to Audible's Premium Plus catalog, as well as an additional free title of your choosing. If you discover audiobooks aren't for you, no problem. You can cancel instantly online. That's it. It's that simple. Two years ago, audiobooks began to change my life, and they may change yours too. Pause this podcast and head over to Audible. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot wisdomworthknowing.org and sign up right now for this limited time offer for my listeners. So this, this self-expression, you know, and, and the importance of honesty in that self-expression helps to refine thoughts over and over and over again. So, and I think, I think this is why, um, you know, as a Christian, you know, when Christ commands or, or when it's discussed in the Bible to pray constantly, I think what that is, is it's, it's constant, 
have a constant dialogue of, or a constant, what's the word I'm looking for here? A constant um, meditative process of communicating what you're feeling openly and honestly. A lot of times we hold back how we're actually feeling because we don't think that our feelings and emotions are meritous to God or a higher power or whatever you may think it is. But this act of being honest and open is exactly and precisely the point of it. So if, if there's an anger and a rage there, that's what needs to be expressed openly, you know, in private. And the, the sooner we get honest in our communications, the better, because it allows us to refine our thoughts so that we can step outside of ourselves and evaluate our thoughts and feelings and, and hopefully articulate some sense and make some sense out of them. Because we are incredibly complex people. You know, human beings, we are the product of so many different things. You know, our environment, we're the product of our our, our designs, so our genetics, we're the product of our our thoughts were the product of our human interactions and our experience, which is extremely unique. We are all one of a kind, which is an amazing thing to say in a planet of 7 billion. You know, so this to, to pretend that we fit neatly into these little boxes is just ridiculous. So the only person who can really articulate and refine what it is that we are is ourselves. And so we need to cultivate this skill of communication so that in writing and words and vocabulary so that we can properly express our experience and truth in that moment. And I hate to use the word our truth, but the the reason I use that word is not because I don't believe there is an absolute truth, because I do believe there is an absolute truth, but it's it's hard for us to find it. You know, I believe that there's, there is a singular truth that, that runs through all of existence. The problem is there's an infinite number of complex variables. So in other words, there's us discovering that truth, the actual truth in our situation is a very, very difficult process. And I think we do learn timeless truths that are, that are, true more often than not. And I think that's where kind of wisdom comes from. You know, wisdom is that collected, ex collective experience of human beings in, in which we've discovered, hey, you know what? In the grand scheme of things, nine or 99 times out of 100, this is true. You know, this is just, this is what we should, we should accept as reality, you know, because it's true through experience. You know, I think that's why we learn things like stealing is bad or murder is wrong. Obviously, there are always exceptions to the rule. As with those variables, I was talking about the complex variables. But in most cases, there can be a collective wisdom, right? And, and so I, I do think that there is a, a line of truth that kind of cuts through most things. Um, even though there are always exceptions to those rules. Uh, the hardest part for us is having the humility necessary to know when the exceptions to the rule are appropriate. And that's when things get really, really dirty and complex. You know, the devil's in the details at that point.
But the whole point of this is we, we can learn to communicate effectively our thoughts and refine our thoughts over time so that we can, we can best see or be, best begin to see the good that may come out of any situation that comes before us. And a lot of times the seeing the good and everything takes a lot of time, you know, because our emotions get in the way in most cases, especially if we're experiencing grief or anger or frustration. We have to go through those stages of grief, you know, the denial stages and the, you know, the, what are the five stages of grief? I always, I always forget all of them. I, I don't have them memorized. Hang on one second. Stages of grief. Because I, I, I like to use this as an analogy because I think we all go through these stages when we experience a death, not just death in general. Um, yeah, okay, so we got denial. We go through denial. We go through anger. We go through bargaining. We go through depression. And then hopefully we eventually get to acceptance. And obviously these don't always happen in order. We bounce between all of them. And I think we all experience regular deaths and resurrections in our life, you know, so the loss of a job would be one type of death. The loss of a loved one would be a literal type of death. The ending of a relationship would be another type of death. Um, disappointment. You know, something not going the way we'd expect it. It might not be a huge death, but it is a form of death. And so we go through these, as we go through these emotions and we we write them out and we express ourselves openly and we learn the words to put to our version of denial and our version of anger and our version of bargaining and our version of depression because I, I believe that we all express these in our own way. And some of us fall into the traps of some more than others. Some of us are really, really into the bargaining thing. Some of us are really, really get really, really depressed. Some of us get really, really anger, angry. You know, we all have these pressure points. And, and this part of training ourselves is, is learning to understand ourselves in a way or understand ourselves so intimately that we know those darker corners of ourselves that tend to pop out under our times of extreme pressure. And so then we can utilize that. You know, once we have that knowledge, I mean, think about how much more powerful of a person you will become when you've accepted these darker corners of yourself and you start to understand these darker corners of yourself so that you can move through these normal human emotions like denial, anger, bargaining, and depression and acceptance. Like they're not going away. Like we're all going to experience all of these. But imagine the, the value you would have in knowing how you as an individual experience all of these. So that as you go through them, you can, you can acknowledge it for what it is, and then you can express it, and you can work through it because you know how you deal with it. Because the only person at the end of the day can, who can really know and master you is you. You know, we don't, other people outside of you can maybe give you small glimpses into what you might be experiencing, but really only we know. And so that's why I think there is a tremendous amount of value in taking the time to write out what we're experiencing or express what we're experiencing. I think that's why the Christian idea of a, of a personal 
relationship with God through Christ is so valuable because we can stop and have a conversation without fear of judgment because Christ wiped away all of the bad things in us. So that replaces the whole fear dynamic, the fear-based power dynamic with a love-based power dynamic so that we can have honest conversations with our Father, right? And so as we, and, and even if you're not religious, like I said, it, having the ability to have an open dialogue, an honest dialogue about what we're going through and expressing these deep, deep, angry, I cannot tell you how many times I've had fights with God and, and just yelled about things in my car. And, and honestly, if I'm these, these have always led to a deeper level of intimacy with him, not rejection. And so this idea that we, we avoid our emotions because we're embarrassed by them is just, it's just ludicrous. If you look across the thousands of years of the human condition, you know, you look at philosophers across thousands of years of many different schools of thought across, across religious lines, across psychological lines, across philosophical lines, from atheists to the staunch, staunch religious people. This, this reconciliation or this attempt to reconcile emotions permeates all of it. So we cannot escape the reality of our emotional condition. You know, you know suffering is a part of life and working through our deep levels of anger and resentment and denial is just a normal part of the human condition. Denying that these things exist is so incredibly counterproductive to our existence that you don't have to look very far into the research as to what things like repression and suppression of our emotions and thoughts does. It comes out in incredibly ugly ways. So I, I honestly believe that only we can really master this part of ourselves. And, and we, can, we can offer things of value to other people as they navigate it, especially if we have experience in the area of whatever death they're experiencing. I mean, if, for example, somebody's going through the death of, the death of a loved one and you have also gone through the death of a loved one, your experience will help them put words to that you know we can help people find the words that express the feelings that they're going through but we can't express it for them do you see what i mean so we can give them the language which are just tools right it's just a tool of communication and we can give them tools to work through that but what we can't do is work through it for them And knowing where we end and they begin is an essential part of that, you know, because it's already more, it's already enough work. Like if we're honest about our current condition, <laughs> we are a full-time job. <laughs> we are, we are more than a full-time job. So trying to solve other people's spiritual, emotional, physical problems is First of all, we're not qualified because we don't we we're not in their heads all the time. Second of all, it's it's just not an appropriate undertaking. We were not meant to 
carry the full load of other people's emotions and what they're experiencing. We were meant to help where we can, I believe, help give them the emotional tools necessary to navigate those. And if we are asked for help, if it's something appropriate in terms of boundaries, you know, we're not bailing them out from their responsibilities, then we can help them carry that load or burden together. But it's this whole seeing the good in everything, I do genuinely believe that if we get really, really good at this, this stepping outside of our situation and we get really good at putting words to our emotions, every time something bad happens to us, and I'm knocking on wood here because I, I do realize how bad things can go. You know, I'm not denying the reality of life because life can get horrifically bad. But the, the, I do believe that we, we can get to a point where we can start to see the good in things that will help us carry, help carry us through the denial we'll go through, the anger we're going to go through, the bargaining we're going to go through, the depressions we're going to go through, the anxieties we're going to go through. It'll give us hope. It's not going to make all these feelings go away because these feelings have to run their course. But it will hopefully give us the hope, you know, seeing the good, the potential good in something will hopefully give us the hope necessary to carry us through these emotions that we're going to experience. And that's really, at the end of the day, hopefully the goal, you know, we don't see we don't train ourselves to see the good in everything so that we can be in denial of what we're going through. That would be counterproductive. We train ourselves to see the good in things so that we can have hope as we process those emotions. And those emotions, depending on the severity of the situation and and, and what we're going through, they can take weeks, days, you can take hours, days, weeks, months, years to fully heal. I have some things in my life that what I like to say are like scar tissue. And if you've ever had scar tissue, I had surgery on, I had an appendectomy like when I was in my 20s because I had appendicitis. And scar tissue is what's left behind after a surgery. And it's basically like a clump of uh, of skin or or it doesn't fully heal properly, right? So then, but there's things that can irritate the scar tissue and cause pain in that area. And, and there are certain wounds that we have that create scar tissue. There's certain emotional wounds. And there's always going to be things, I think, that irritate them and, and kind of bring pain back. But over time, scar tissue, you, you just kind of adapt to it. You know, you don't deny that it exists. You can't make it go away. But there are going to be points in our lives in which things just irritate it. You know, they rehash those old feelings and emotions. But scar tissue is also a sign of healing, right? It's it's it was it was something we went through. And so there was good that came out of that. So I hope that makes sense. This is the Wisdom Worth Knowing podcast. I've been your host, Craig Chamberlain. I hope you enjoyed this episode. 
Before you go, please like, share, and subscribe on Facebook, YouTube, or Rumble. That helps feed the algorithm so that the show can continue to grow. Believe me, that helps a lot. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Please take the time to leave a five-star review on whatever podcast network you may be listening on. That helps the recommendation and uh, algorithm share the show with new potential listeners. You can visit the website at wisdomworthknowing.org where you can listen to the show, subscribe to the show, or donate to the show. And as always, we are brought to you by Audible, where listening is the new reading. You can get unlimited access to thousands of audiobooks completely free for 30 days. Sign up now for this limited time offer at audible.wisdomworthknowing.org. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot wisdomworthknowing.org right now. So until next time, train your mind to see good, train your mind to see good in everything. And let's work on being the best version of ourselves we can today, because as always, that's all we can do. I will see you all tomorrow.